Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. If you would tonight, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. This evening, we're going to look at verse 1. And this is our 15th sermon in the book of 1 Peter. And the title of my thoughts this evening is this, Arm Yourselves. Arm Yourselves. Now, last week, we closed out with verse 22 of chapter 3, where Peter says, Now Christ has gone to heaven He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. And the picture we have as we close out chapter 3 is the Lord is high and exalted above all his enemies and above all principalities and powers. And I want to set the context of Peter's letter at this Midway points. Go back to verse 14 and verse 15 of chapter 3. Peter writes, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid about their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always Always be ready to explain it. So the context as we move here in chapter 4, verse 1, the context is suffering. So now we read our main passage in verse 1. Peter says, so then since Christ suffered physical death or pain, physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had. Did you hear that, glad tidings? You must arm yourselves with the same attitude that Christ had. Be ready. Be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you. The opportunity we have Lord, to preach and teach your word, I ask that you'd open our hearts to receive and give us ears that would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And Lord, may we leave here tonight encouraged, strengthened, full of hope, and anticipating what you are going to do next. And everybody said, amen. You know, one of the things that I really love to do is to take one verse and build a sermon around that verse. And here in verse 1 is a great verse to do that. The first thing I want to do is talk about Christ is the standard bearer. Now, again, Peter, as he so often does in his letter, he points us to Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you, glad tidings, that Jesus is our standard bearer. You say, well, what is a standard bearer? One that leads. 
leads a movement. One who bears a standard or a banner. In other words, he is our leader. He is the captain of our salvation. For you see, Christ has gone before us. He has led the way, and he is our example. A matter of fact, the word describes Christ as the head of all things. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the church of Ephesus, writes this in Ephesians 1, verse 22. Paul says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Now listen to the Apostle Paul's instruction a few chapters later. Go to chapter 4. Look at verse 15 and 16. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way. More and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Notice Christ is the head, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, notice what Paul says, growing in every way more and more like Christ who was the head of the body, the church. Listen, Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each part, each person must do its part. I want you to hear this. You are important. Your actions matter. Your choices matter. Listen to what Paul writes. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So why must each of us do our part? Because we help other parts grow. We help each other. And the result is the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So Jesus is our standard bearer and we must continue to grow in him. Realize Christ is the measure of all things. Peter said this in verse 1 of chapter 4. Since Christ suffered physical pain. Now Christ is the standard. He's the example. He has led the way. Now go back one more time to Ephesians chapter 4 for a moment. Look at verse 13 and 14. Verse 14 says this will continue. What will continue? He's speaking about the gifts God has given to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, the pastors and teachers, that fivefold ministry. And Paul says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So this will continue, the equipping, the building up. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Now notice this phrase, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now notice this phrase, it bears repeating. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 
And Paul says, then we'll be no more like immature children. We won't be tossed and blown away by every wind of new teaching that comes along. Now, you may be thinking, well, how does one keep Christ as the standard? How do we keep him in the forefront? How do we do this? I think, I think some practical ways are this. You've got to fall in love with Christ. You've got to fall in love with Jesus. Genuinely fall in love with Jesus, his life, his teachings. Fall in love with Jesus as a person. Develop spiritual intimacy with Christ. And we do this by committing ourselves to study the life of Christ. It's, it's, it's study the red letters, the, the words of Christ. Study his life. Fall in love with the teachings of Jesus. Fall in love with the words of Jesus. Fall in love with the principles that Jesus laid out for living. Listen, Peter says Christ Christ is our example following his steps back in chapter 2. And here in verse 1, he says, listen, Christ suffered physical pain. Follow his example. Now, let me give you some examples of the teachings of Jesus that you and I must learn to fall in love with. Jesus said, I, I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Fall in love with the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Fall in love with the words of Jesus. Fall in love with the life of Jesus. Jesus said this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. But so often we're seeking after everything instead of after the one thing. The one thing that's going to make the difference is seeking first the kingdom of God. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with the words of Jesus. Fall in love with the teachings of Jesus. Let me give you some more teachings of Christ. Matthew 10, verse 29. Jesus said, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, question mark. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. See, the teachings of Christ is this, that God takes notice of every detail of your life. His creation is precious to him. And if the father takes notice of the sparrow that falls to the ground, how much more will he take notice of you? You're valuable to God. See, I... I lead you to these teachings of Jesus because I want you to study the life of Jesus. Fall in love with the red letters, the words of Jesus. Let me give you one more. 
Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. Oh, glad tidings. That phrase right there is worth everything this evening. You'll find rest for your souls. Some of you need to latch on to the, to the words of Jesus. He said, you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So the question is, how do you keep Christ as the standard? Seek to immolate his life. Seek to copy or follow the life of Jesus. Jesus said this, Matthew records it in chapter 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Who listens and follows it, copies it, immolates it, is wise. That word follow in the Greek means to follow a course of action. It means to commit to a behavior or teaching the Apostle Paul, writing to the church of Corinth in his first epistle, first letter, chapter 4, verse 17, he says, this is why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus. Paul's telling the church of Corinth, Timothy is going to remind you how I follow, how, how my life is patterned after Jesus, how Jesus is my standard for living. So I want to challenge you with the words of Peter. I want to challenge you with the words of this epistle. Arm yourselves with the mind of Christ. Arm yourself with the attitude of Christ. Christ is our example, our standard. When I think of Emulating his life. I think of trace to trace. Do you remember as a kid tracing paper? Real thin. You could almost see through it. You would use the tracing paper to create an exact duplicate of the original. An exact duplicate of the original. See, Jesus is the standard. And we are to live as an exact duplicate of his life. I want to challenge us to do that. Glad tidings. Now, remember, Christ is your standard bearer. He is your example, your measuring stick. So, therefore, Peter says in verse 1, arm yourself. Since then, Christ suffered physical pain. You must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had. So, Peter is telling us to take up arms to take up arms, but, but he is not speaking of swords and spears or, or guns and such. He's talking about a way of thinking, a way of doing, a way of living. For you see, we are to arm ourselves with the right attitude. Now, let me give you a little point of interest. I found this very interesting. Think back to the Gospels again, to John's Gospel. 
John chapter 18 verse 10 tells us it was Peter who drew his sword in the garden and cut off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. And it is him who is writing later in his life and ministry to arm yourselves, but not with swords, but with the right mindset. Isn't that very interesting? Before Calvary, before resurrection, before Pentecost, you see Peter, he's hot-headed. Peter, he's got a sword. He's armed himself. He's ready to do some damage. Now, years later, he's writing, yes, arm yourselves, but not with swords and spears. Arm yourselves with the right attitude, the right mind. And church, I believe that this is so important for us in this season that we have to be sure to arm ourselves with the right things, being the right thoughts, the right attitude, the right mind. For you see, believer, if you're going to grow in this season, if we're going to flourish in this period, if we're going to move forward and not backwards, then we have to arm ourselves with the right attitude. Now, let's look at that word arm for a moment. That word arm first means to be or to become prepared. An example, the word was used of chariot horses to get them ready, to get them prepared. You would harness them to prepare them, to get them ready to ride. And another meaning of that word was to prepare with the proper equipment. The word also had a military use to it. It was used of soldiers to arm, to equip, as in training, as in, as in body wear. To, to equip as in to take as to make ready with the proper attire. See, we cannot help but think of the Christian soldier's attire. Go back to the book of Ephesians just for a moment. Go to chapter 6. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Verse 13, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Therefore, referring to the previous verse, where Paul says, you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. See, Paul was telling the church of Ephesus, you're in a battle, you're in a fight, so you got to arm yourself properly. But it's not a physical fight, it's a spiritual fight. You're in a warfare, and you got to be ready, you got to equip, you got to arm yourself. So put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Oh, I like that. I'm about ready to preach. After the battle, guess what? You won't be defeated. You won't be knocked down. You will still be standing. Why? Because you've armed yourself with the right attitude. You've armed yourself and prepared and equipped yourself with the right attire. And glad tidings, this is so important for each of us. Notice what he says in verse 13. 
verse 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness where shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion. Oh, don't forget. Praying in the spirit at all times. In all and every occasion. Peter said in verse 1 of chapter 4. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had the same attitude. Another place in Scripture, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Think just for a moment about the attitude of Christ. Think about the attitude that Christ displayed when he walked upon this earth. Several things come to mind, but a couple are very important. When you think of the attitude of Christ, I think of submission to the Father's will. It begins early at the, at the beginning of his public ministry when he goes to John the Baptist to be baptized in water, and John the Baptist says, no, no, I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you, and Jesus said this, we must carry out all that God requires. We must carry out all that God requires. And that characterized the earthly ministry of Jesus. He was constantly seeking to do the Father's will. Arm yourself with the same attitude Christ had. Above all things, seek to do God's will. Seek to do the Father's will. See, the attitude of Christ was also that of serving. He came not to be served, but to serve. Mark records the words of Jesus in chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The life of Jesus was characterized by a life of serving his brothers and sisters, serving those in need. His, also, his life was also characterized by faith, a complete trust in God's will, a complete trust in the Father's plan. You see what the Holy Spirit is telling us tonight? Listen, Christ, Christ suffered physical pain for you. So arm yourself with the same attitude he had. Arm yourself. Be ready. Be equipped with the same mind of saying, Father, I want to do whatever your will is. And Lord, I came not to be served, but I came to serve others. 
So, Lord, how can I serve your kingdom? The same attitude of Christ. Take the Father at his word. Exercise faith. And that faith will move mountains. And I believe mountains are moving now. I believe obstacles are being being taken out of the way. I believe the crooked path is being made straight. I believe that faith is going to cause rivers to break forth in the desert land. I believe God is about to do something great for his church and for you and your family. And Peter says, be ready. Look back at verse 1. So then Christ, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready. Be ready to suffer too. One commentary writes this. We are to think as Christ did about obedience and suffering. To be convinced that it is better to do right and suffer than to do wrong. Let me say that again. To be convinced that it is better to do right and suffer than to do wrong. Which brings us to our last thought and point. Be finished with sin. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. That word finished, a little perplexing. That word finished seems to imply that we're finished, done with. But we know our daily struggle. One thought concerning the interpretation of this is, It contends that those who suffer for doing right and continue to willingly obey God despite suffering have made a clear break with sin. In other words, such people have shown that obeying God, not avoiding suffering or hardship, is the most important motivation for their actions. And this strengthens them and sets firmly into their lives a pattern of obedience. I like that thought. And another thought concerning the interpretation of this this verse is that Christians having died in Christ are one with him and are legally free from the penalty of sin. They are in union with Christ, so they regard themselves as dead to sin. Believers are no longer bound by sin's penalty And they must strive and practice to be free from its power. And suffering can be helpful in that area. Just as Christ's sufferings led to death and resurrection, so our suffering can help us put sin and selfishness behind us and enter into more fully into the new life of service to God. Because something has changed. What has changed? Our attitude has changed. Our desires have changed. Why? Because we've armed ourselves with the mind of Christ. We've been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We've made a determination. We are finished with sin. We, f- we are finished with the lifestyle of the unbelief because we've experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. As I close tonight, the Life Application Bible has a section titled Clean Break. And I think it's worth reading as we close. The, the Application Bible says, Suffering helps us be like Christ, yet people will do anything to avoid pain. Followers of Christ, however, should be willing and prepared to do God's will and to suffer for it if necessary. We can overcome sin when we focus on Christ and what he wants us to do. And then it says, pain and danger reveal our real values. Pain and danger reveal our real values. Anyone who suffers for doing good and still faithfully obeys in spite of the suffering has made a clean break with sin. Church, glad tidings, I know that you are determined more than ever to be finished with sin. You're walking through a time of affliction. You're walking through a time of suffering. You're walking through a time that looks like in the natural a setback. But listen, God is just purifying his church, getting us ready for something better, something greater. And we are determined to be finished with this world, this life, the old life. And we're going to serve Jesus. Because we've armed ourselves with the right attitude, the right mindset. I want to challenge you this evening. Arm yourself. Arm yourself not with the things of this world. Arm yourself with the attitude of Jesus who gave his life for you who lived in total submission to the Father's will, who realized that he came to serve others and not be served. And he lived a life of faith, a faith that moved mountains, a faith that raised the dead, a faith that opened the blinded eyes. Glad tidings, I want to tell you tonight, have faith in God. Be done with sin. Be done with the old life. Walk in resurrection.